0: Well, good morning. It is good to be with you here this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And if you don't have your Bible with you this morning, there should be a hardback Bible in the pew there in front of you. Matthew chapter 22. And I would just ask that as we walk through uh, this message this morning, if you wouldn't mind praying for me as I'm sharing the Word of God. I got a text this morning from Pastor Doug saying, Hey, I'm sick. Would you be willing to preach? Sure thing, brother. So here we are. Um, so I just ask that, that uh, you be praying for me as, as I'm praying for you and as we're opening the word up together this morning. If I asked you how would you assess your walk with Christ? Uh, how would you answer that? Like, I don't, maybe you've never taken time to kind of evaluate your relationship with Jesus. Like, um, on a, maybe on a scale of one to ten, like I'm, I'm really not following Christ, not passionate. To ten, being like I'm just on fire. I'm I'm, I'm following Christ, loving Christ. Tim Keller gives this analogy or illustration uh, in his book Prayer on how to kind of evaluate our walk with Christ. And he gives the uh, illustration of a sailboat and so he gives four different modes. Are we sinking? Are we drifting? Are we rowing? Or are we sailing? So sailing is simply this. Man, your sail is up. The wind is at your back. You are coasting forward. You're just on fire for Christ, passionate to walk with him. You're enjoying spending time with your Lord. You're, you're abiding with him. You're communing with him. You're serving others. You're sharing the gospel. You're loving your time in prayer and in Bible intake. I mean, you're just, you're just passionate about Christ. You're sailing. Drift, or excuse me, the next one is, is rowing. Maybe you're just rowing like you want to be sailing, you want to be on fire for Christ, but it feels a little bit more like a duty rather than a delight. And so, uh, but, but you want to be there. So you're rowing, you're giving effort because you want to be on fire and walking with Christ and, and being used by him for his glory, for his kingdom. And so you've got sailing, you've got rowing, and you've got drifting. Drifting is, it's, it definitely feels like a duty, uh, there's a lot of dryness in your walk with Christ. You kind of feel a little numb towards God. And, and, and you don't really feel like giving it effort anymore. Uh, maybe it's this kind of... Uh, you, you've, you've sat back and you don't feel like obeying. You don't feel like giving effort. You don't feel like spending time with Him. You're just drifting. And then sinking. Sinking is the last one He gives. And sinking is that numbness begins to become Hardness. And, and that dryness is just a dusty desert. And you're, you're at the point where like if something big happened, you could possibly just walk away from Christ. Like You could possibly just say, I, I'm not going to even identify with Christ anymore. So how would you assess your walk with Christ? Are you, are you sinking? Are you drifting? Are you rowing? Or are you sailing? Let's pray, and then we'll dive into the Word of God this morning. Heavenly Father. It truly is a joy uh, to be able to come before you again this morning, to be able to worship you, uh, to be able to praise you. Lord, you are worthy of our love and our adoration. And and Father, I'm just so thankful uh, for the the privilege to come together as the body of Christ, to be able to come together to encourage one another, to fellowship with one another, to serve one another, to to speak life into one another, to uh, do all that we can to honor you through our fellowship together. And so, Father, it's also a great joy to be able to lift our voices in praise to you together. Uh, Throughout the week, hopefully we're doing that on our own. But, Father, it's just awesome to hear uh, so many voices coming together all at once in praise of you. And again, you you alone are worthy of it. You are our audience of one. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to just have a heart. That, that longs to honor you and all that we say and do and think. And I pray that as we open your word here this morning, that you would just speak into our hearts, that, they, that we would first of all be <laughs> receptive, that as Jesus so often says, we would have ears to hear, but then we would also have a willingness to be obedient to that which your, your word lays out for us. And so, Father, help us uh, to understand your word through uh, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he comes in to, to illuminate and to help us understand. And, and, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to open your word together as a family. So, Lord, I, I pray that you'd be with uh, Pastor Doug this morning. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for uh, his ministry here at Grace. Thank you for his leadership, his passion, his love for you, and his love for us. And Father, we just pray that you'd bless him and Nancy and Allison uh, this morning as they're, they're caring for him. And I pray that you'd give him a quick recovery uh, with whatever he's uh, suffering with and dealing with, Lord, that uh, you just restore him quickly. Uh, I, I know he longs to be here. And so, Lord, we just thank you for him, and thank you for what you're going to do today, even in in giving him rest from from this morning uh and so lord um thank you for this day i pray that you keep my words from error and uh that what i share lord we would just uh be willing to um hear from you that we, each one of us would have that that longing and that desire to grow in christ so lord thank you for loving us first we love you and we thank you in christ's name amen i want to give you kind of Two examples in Scripture before we get to Matthew 22. We will get there, I promise. Uh, but we have, we have this amazing testimony uh, found in, in the life of Paul. Amazing testimony in the life of Paul. If you, if you go back into the book of Acts, uh, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and then even later on in like 25 and 26 where Paul is sharing like his testimony. What we know from his own testimony is that he considered himself to be a blasphemer, a violent man a murderer, an accuser. He hated the church. He hated the people uh, who, were, who, who were worshiping Christ. And, and we know in, in Acts chapter 7 and 8, I mean, he stood there as they stoned Stephen to death. And he was in hearty agreement with what was happening. In Acts chapter 9, his legal documentation, and he's like ready on his way to Damascus to go rip Christians out of their homes and to just uh, um, humiliate, uh, to... To be little to shame, really the cause of Christ. I mean, this was his, this was his passion, this was his drive, according to his own testimony. We see that, and, and yet what we know is that on the road to Damascus, Christ meets him, and, and from there on, like his his life, when he puts his faith in Christ, he's on a complete different projection. Like he is just all sold out for the gospel of Christ, making an impact. in in the lives of believers, starting churches. He writes most of the New Testament for us. I mean, he's just on fire for Christ. And he's a man that really, if we think about, I don't don't think any of us would really say like, Paul, I think you could have done that a little bit better, right? Like, he's not a guy we're going to evaluate and say, I think you could have improved in that area, Paul. I mean, he was just an amazing man for the sake of the gospel. And I shared this Several months back when uh, we were walking through part of Philippians, but, but he was the type of guy that like, if, if the enemy said, well, look, we're going we're gonna to kill you, Paul, because we don't want you speaking the gospel. He said, well, to die is gain. I mean, there was nothing you could do to this man if they said, well, then we won't kill you. We'll let you live. Well, to live is Christ. It means I get to pour into more believers and share the gospel. Okay, Paul, well, then what we're going to do is we're going to lock you up because we don't want you speaking the gospel. We're not going to kill you. We're just going to lock you up. And, and then he'd say, well, I'm just going to convert your guards, which is what he did in Philippians. He converted the guards who were watching him. And, and, and they'd say, well, then we're just going to persecute you. And we know from the book of Romans, Paul said, well, that's fine, too, because the suffering I endure now is temporary compared to the glory I'm going to experience later. Like, there was nothing you could do to touch this man. He was just a tank for the faith of the gospel of Christ. I mean, he was just moving forward boldly, courageously. He was the guy, if you remember from the book of Acts, where the, they get so mad at him, they drag him out of the city. They stone him to death, or so they thought, and he wasn't dead. He stands up, and he goes right back in and preaching and keeps preaching. Is anyone willing to sign up for that ministry? We have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Anyone willing to put your name down on, I'm, sign me up for that. That's my calling. I, I don't know about you, but I think if I was that guy, I'd be like, I'm not going back into that town. No, thank you. Uh, but this, this is Paul, just an amazing example, like, kind of like a skyscraper for the faith. And, and just what could you do? to Paul to keep him down. In fact, Paul, I don't know if you've ever felt like you had to defend the fact that you're not perfect. I know I don't feel that way. I know I've got enough issues I'm working on, but Paul had to say, well, not that I've already obtained it, right? He's saying, look, I'm not perfect. He's also the one who was able to take the thorn in his flesh and like kind of turn that into an amazing thing. It's thank you, Lord, for that because it keeps me from boasting about the exceedingly amazing revelation you've given to me. I mean, Paul was just just on fire for the gospel. And then, praise the Lord, we've got this guy named Peter. Which, I don't know about you, but I can relate to Peter a whole lot better than I can Paul. Peter, we don't really know when he came to put his faith in Christ. It might have been Matthew 16 where he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Some, some scholars would say, No, it's later when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. But either way, we know from Peter's life that, that like he had all these highs and lows. Uh, in Matthew 16, he's like, you are the son of the living God, and, and Jesus says, well, blessed are you, Peter, and, and, and I don't know about you, but if you were looking for a pastor, I mean, he'd be the guy we'd hire, right? Like, Jesus just blessed him, he's, he's getting it, he's figuring it out, and yet four verses later, Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan, to Peter, same guy, and right there we'd be like, oh, we don't want to hire that guy, um, but... This is Peter. His life is full of ups and downs. In fact, they're, they're around a fire right before Jesus goes to the cross, and he's talking to his disciples about what's coming, and he's, like, he's sharing, you know, I'm going to be delivered up, I'm going I'm to die, and I'm going to rise three days later. And, and Peter says this, he says, Even if I die, even if I must die, I won't betray you, Jesus. I mean, that sounds really good, doesn't it? It sounds like some of the things maybe we've said, like, never again, Lord. If you'd if you bless this, I won't do that uh, ever again. Or, or for the rest of my days, God, I'll be following you. And, and, and we, can, we can connect with Peter pretty quickly. And yet, within 24 hours, Peter denies Christ three times. Three times. And yet, what's so awesome about that is Jesus doesn't move away from him. Jesus keeps moving towards him. Peter. He doesn't give up on Peter. When Jesus is crucified and buried and rises again three days later, who does he go look for? He goes to look for Peter. And he goes to restore Peter. And you might think, man, Peter's really doing great. He's doing well now. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believers. And you can't really, you know, we might think, well, you can't really mess up when that happens. And he's preaching, and thousands of people come to faith in Christ. And and we know from the book of Acts, he's instrumental in the life of Cornelius and kind of the Italian cohort there and and bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And yet, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul has to rebuke Peter to his face because Peter, once again, is saying, hey, I'm going to associate with the Gentiles. And yet when the Jews show up, Peter says, no, I I can't associate with the Gentiles. And, And he actually leads Barnabas astray, the Scriptures tell us, and Paul has to rebuke him. And so Peter's just this up and down kind of guy. Like he's on fire for Christ and then he's messing up. He's on fire for Christ and he's messing up. But the beauty of it is that Jesus constantly is moving towards him and not away from him. And I think the reality is that for many of us, we would like a Paul-like kind of testimony. We would like to be able to say, man, we are just on our life has been set on that projection. We are moving towards God, and nothing can trip us up. And, and sometimes I think, unfortunately, in the church, we can even put a, a false facade up where people maybe think that is what's happening in our lives. They say, how are you doing? I'm good. Everything's good. But in reality, maybe inside we're just like, I'm just a mess. I'm not really following Christ or loving Christ or identifying with Christ right now. But in church, we try and keep this false, uh, this, this, this facade up for others. The reality is most of our lives look like Peter. And if you go through the scriptures, most of the heroes of the scriptures are like Peter. I mean, just to name a few, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all mess up. Moses messes up. David messes up. And yet these are the men that you see in Scripture, and yet God doesn't walk away from them. God continues to move towards them, and continues to use them for the sake of the kingdom. And so what I just want to encourage us with this morning is that what can happen is joy can be taken from us because if we see ourselves as men and women whose God's pleasure and forgiveness and love doesn't rest on, then where is our joy? And what we lose is the identity we have in Christ. My friends, If you have put your faith in Christ, you are a son and daughter of the King of Kings, and your identity is sealed. It is sealed shut. No one can take that from us, and so we need to recognize that we are men and women whose God's pleasure, forgiveness, and love rests upon, and God is constantly moving toward us and not away from us. Jesus kept moving towards Peter, and if there's ever a guy that I would have fired if I had the privilege, I would have fired Peter. We all would have fired Peter. Because he messes up horribly sometimes. And yet God doesn't. God continues to use Peter. He's never done with him. He keeps coming back to him. He keeps building him up. He keeps chiseling things off of him. He keeps extending his love toward him. And so this morning, as we look at Matthew 22, I just want to talk about our spiritual formation. Talk about how we grow in Christ. Because the reality is many of us If not all of us are more like Peter. With highs and lows, wins and losses, struggles and victories. And instead of trying to pretend to have it all together, part of walking with Christ together is being willing to say, I don't have it all together. And standing in the trench together. Being willing to stand side by side with one another saying, how can I help encourage you and build you up and, and, and just allow God to mold and shape us for his glory? Because the reality is, is when suffering comes or persecution comes, it's disorienting, isn't it? I mean, none of us respond right away like Paul does. This is from God on high. I will rejoice and be glad. Is, that's rarely our first response. Instead, it's discombobulating. It's scary. It's disorienting. And then what happens is if we're not careful with it, we heap shame upon ourselves. And we, instead of running towards God, we begin to walk away from God. So Matthew twenty two. Matthew twenty-two. Jesus' is, of course is here in verse thirty-four. We're gonna pick up verse thirty-four through forty. It says in verse thirty four, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. Now notice, he's not just asking a genuine question. He's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to trip Jesus up. And the the hope here is that if Jesus answers wrongly, then hopefully part of his crowd or most of his crowd will walk away. Because you cannot take and split up the commandments. That's the reality. 613 commandments under the Mosaic Law. I don't know about, hopefully some of you as parents, you have some rules in your house for your children, right? Does anyone have 613 of them? That'd be like impossible, right? 613 laws. And, and what they were asking is, which is the greatest? And they're hoping he's going to pick one and then half the group's going to say, no, I really thought it was this one. And they're going to walk away from following Jesus. It's, it's a test to, to, to trip them up. And, and what they thought, the Jewish thought here at this time is that surely... Surely there are some that are more important than others. Like there are some that it's okay if we don't really follow those, but what are the important ones that we need to follow that we should be following? And so which is the greatest? And so Jesus answers in verse 37. He says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and And with all your mind. And so I just want to stay there this morning for most of our time. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind? Well, first of all, love is love is what I call in nowadays in our culture and climate kind of a junk drawer word. So I don't know if you know what that means, but for me and my family, I I love junk drawers. So like I have drawers in the cabinet or in my desk that it's just a junk drawer, right? So like everything that I don't know where to put, it goes in the drawer. So uh, it drives my wife crazy, unfortunately, because she's very organized. And sometimes she'll come and organize my desk drawer, that's my junk drawer, and I can't find anything then. And, And so it's just a mess, right? It's got screws, it's got bolts, it's got paper clips, it's got stamps. It's got like anything and everything that I don't really have a place for anywhere else. It goes in the junk drawer. And love is kind of a junk drawer word. It's, a, it's like a catch-all kind of phrase, right? Like I love my mom. I love my dad. I love the hot dog I'm eating. I love uh, little Debbie's. I love my car. I love my family. Like I, we just love everything. It's a catch. Like, and then we put I love God in there too somewhere, right? Like love has just become this catch-all kind of phrase. It's a junk drawer word. And, uh, and, and so what does this look like to love? Well, John Piper, and I'm not, I'm not uh, sold out on all that Piper teaches, but he gives this definition of love. And I think it's just so simple. This definition of love, it's, love for God is delighting in Him and a desire to know Him and to be with Him. I mean, that's just simple and straightforward, isn't it? Love for God is delighting in Him and a desire to know Him and be with Him. Let me just say it again. Maybe you're taking notes. Love for God is delighting in Him and a desire to know Him and to be with Him. It's just simple. It's simple. It's straightforward. Love for God. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I believe what, it, what Jesus here is communicating is that with our heart, we should want to delight in, we should want to desire, we should want to pursue we should want to turn toward. We don't turn away from. We turn toward Christ. We turn toward Christ. And so the heart, when you think about the heart, the heart is the source of our feelings. It's our thoughts. It's our intentions. It's our desires. It's our motives. And so Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So everything in you, love the Lord your God. Delight in Him. Turn towards Him. If you would, turn with me please to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I think this does just an awesome job of explaining of explaining this a little bit better. But second Corinthians chapter three verse sixteen. Second Corinthians chapter three verse sixteen it says this, sixteen through eighteen. It says, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. We're turning towards the Lord, verse 18, we're being transformed, right, into the same image from glory to glory. The NIV, I believe, says ever-increasing glory. The, the ESV, uh, it says it this way, one degree of glory to another. And so here's what happens is that when we put our faith in Christ, the veil is taken away. We get to, to see Christ uh, in, in a different way, right? Because before, be, before the gospel impacts our lives, Christ is just foolishness to the world. And so when, when we recognize the love of God for us and all that Christ has done on the cross and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the, the veil is taken away and we get to see Christ and we begin to delight in Christ and spend, desire to spend time with him and love him with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And, and what Paul is saying here is that we are conformed into his image, one degree of glory to another. Now, I don't know how many of you have like the old kind of like washing machine uh, with the pull-out knob. Uh, This is kind of the washing machine we have, but it's got the knob you pull out and then you turn and it it, like tick, 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 you know, the whole way around. You're all like, what? Uh, Okay, I got one. I got one. Cool. Um, But just picture any kind of knob like on an old radio where you take it and you turn it and you can see, you know, whatever, like the old radios and you you turn it. So one degree of glory to another. So here's the reality. When we get saved, I, I mean, just being honest, I would love if spiritual maturity was like instant. Anyone there? Can I get an amen on that? Like, wouldn't it just be great to say, man, I'm like, I'm almost perfect now. Because none of us are going to be perfect on this side of heaven, so we can't say we're going to be perfect. But wouldn't it be great to just download spiritual maturity, like, instantly? But we can't. And so it's one degree of glory to another. One degree of glory at a time. And to be honest, hopefully all of us can look back 10 years, or if you've been saved longer, 15 or 20 or 25 years ago, man, where I am now compared to then, I've grown. I've grown in my love for Christ. Yeah, yeah. I've tripped up and I've fallen and I've messed up in between there. Some, some things have come into my life that maybe I've had seasons of doubt or seasons of hardship, but like, I've really grown over that time period. I mean, it just does not happen overnight. Your kids in front of you, your children, they don't grow up overnight, right? Like, it's not like you have a baby and the next day your, your 18-year-old walks down in front of you. But I mean, it takes time and you might not see that growth from day to day. But I'll tell you what, Ian's a lot taller now than what he was four and a half years ago. And so growth slowly happens. And for us, our walk with Christ is often pretty painstakingly slow. But it's worth it. And hopefully you see one degree of glory to another happening over time. And so Paul says, look, when that veil is removed and as we walk with Christ, we should be becoming more like Christ each day. And can I just encourage you that in this walk with Christ, you will not arrive to perfection on this side of heaven. But thankfully, Christ has arrived, and he doesn't leave us on our own. I mean, that's the beauty of our Savior. He doesn't say, okay, I've saved you now, just figure this out on your own. He sent the Helper, the Comforter, his Holy Spirit, who indwells with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He walks with us each moment, each day. We're not on our own. And praise the Lord for that. And, and the reality is, is that as we walk with Christ, you know, maybe that thing you're trying to overcome, that temptation that you just kind of keep slipping up in, the reality is is once you overcome that, there's one more behind that, and you overcome that. And there's one more behind that, and you overcome that. And there's one more behind that. I mean, I feel like the, the longer I'm saved and the longer I'm walking with Christ, I just keep going, man, I'm worse off than what I thought I was 10 years ago. Because there's just more things to work on. And, but that's okay. God walks with us through that. And there's growth, hopefully, as we're loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. In joy and in sorrow, He's going to chisel you. In success and failure, He's going to shape you. Uh, God desires for us to be conformed into the image of His Son, and, and He's working on us day by day. So then Jesus moves from the heart to the soul. And the soul is one of those kind of tricky things to put your finger on. But the soul would simply be you. It's the real you. I, I explain it to the students like this. Your body doesn't have a soul. Your soul has a body. So the real you is your soul. It's, it's what some psychologists would say. It's the true self. It's who you are. It's you. We all have different personalities that play into that, but that's kind of, that doesn't really play into this. Um, the reality is, is that God has created each one of us to love him with our whole soul, our whole consciousness, our whole self. And so how does that work? Well, the reality is the reason we fail to reflect him day by day is because we have our own agenda, we have our own desires, we have our own things and our own ways and the things that we want in our lives. And so as we turn toward Him, one degree of glory to another, as we turn toward Him, when we love Him, when we gaze upon Him, and we delight in Him, we begin to be conformed. It's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I would try and quote it, but I'd probably mess it up. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's this idea of becoming more like Christ. So the more we spend time with Christ, our desires should be to desire what he desires. We should hate what he hates. Like As we grow in Christ, our love for him should grow and our hate towards sin should grow. And so if we're a Christian, then more than likely, if we look back on our testimony, there might be things that we used to give ourselves over to before Christ that now, as a believer, we look at those things and go, those are dead to me, or they are deformed, or those are ugly things that I wouldn't want to be a part of. And and we've shared this a couple of times at different points uh, over the last few years, is that we have two types of testimonies, if you would, right? God has saved some of us from horrible things addictions and 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 issues he saved us from those and then for some of us he saved us out of those things right so we had a student a couple students a couple years ago and they were saying like i just don't have an amazing testimony because i haven't been addicted and into these things that like you know so like my testimony just seems kind of simple and that's okay god has saved you from those things you don't need to experience sin to recognize sin God has saved you from those things. Some of us, we, we grew up and we didn't hear the gospel until we were 15 or 20 or 25. And so we were involved in maybe some things that God saved us out of. Does that make sense? And so as we grow in Christ, those things of the world, the ways of the world, we should, we should be farther and farther away from those things saying, that's not how I want to live. I want to live to glorify Christ. I want to live in a way that's honoring to him. I want to live in such a way that's obedient to him, that makes much of his name, that that when people see me, they see Christ in and through me. When they hear me speak, they they hear about Jesus. They hear his words. They hear his grace, his mercy through us. And so, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then lastly, he moves to love him with all of your mind. And the mind is the part simply that informs the heart and the soul. And I believe Pastor Doug has said it a few times here recently through the the, the Spiritual Warfare Sunday School class. My friends, the battle is for your mind. It just is. The battle is for your mind. And so what are we taking in will determine our heart and soul and response to things. And so let me just encourage you. Are we taking in Scripture? Scripture. And the mind is what informs the heart and the soul. And so if our mind isn't being renewed by truth and taking in the word of God, then how do we stand against the the ways of the enemy, the, the ways of the world? How do we know those aren't true if we're not in the word of God? And so this is why the Bible and knowing the Bible is such a big deal, that truth determines how we're going to respond to things. Truth determines how we're going to respond. You see, we can have feelings about God, and we can have views about God, but if they're not informed by Scripture, they're irrelevant. They're just irrelevant. And most likely, they're wrong. If they're not informed by Scripture, they're wrong. Because here's what happens. As humans, we are designed to worship. I shared this at Christmas Eve. We are designed to worship, and we will worship something. And what happens is as, as, as people, we will make God into our own God, and it usually looks more like us than He does God if it's not informed by Scripture. And so, are we in the Word of God? Are we in the Word of God? I heard a pastor the other day who was saying about, you know, this church is kind of a weird thing, and we only do this in church. Like, for some of us, and I've had seasons of this, some of us, we're willing to just say, um, we don't really want to be in the game, but we're going to come Sunday morning to hear someone preach about being in the game, and we're, going to, we're willing to hear that each week, but we're not really going to be in the game. And he said, we don't do that in any other area of life. Like, none of you are willing to say, here, take my license. I'm not going to drive, but I'm willing to come hear you talk about driving once a week. Like, like no one is, is, is saying, like, I don't need to go on vacation. I just want to hear someone preach about vacation once a week and, and hear about how wonderful it is once a week, but I'm not going to be a part of it or go on it. And, and, and so, can I just encourage you that the battle happens on other days other than Sunday. It happens every day. And so how as believers are we, are we delighting in Him and loving Him and desiring Him and pursuing Him? And none of us are perfect at it. I'd be the first to say, man, I, I want to go deeper in this. I want to do better than what I do some days. But are we delighting in Him and trying to turn towards Him rather than away from Him? Scripture is basically on repeat. If you have a CD player, clipping in, if you have a CD player and you push the button, the repeat button, and every track, you know, goes 1 through 12 and then repeats 1 through 12, 1 through 12, 1 through 12, scripture is on repeat saying, it's not about you, it's about me. It's not about you, it's about me. Get your eyes off of yourself, it's about Jesus. And that's what you and I need daily, that reminder, because I am so quick to make it about myself. <laughs> I am so quick to put my eyes on myself rather than Christ. And let me, let me just throw this out there as well. If we don't have truth to inform our mind and, and heart and soul, we'll run on emotions. And emotions are a, a wonderful gift from God. God has given those to us, but emotions can lead us astray at times, and so we need the truth to inform those emotions. And so what it means to be sanctified over an extended period of time of highs and lows and successes and failures is simply to give ourselves where we are as best we know how to fully loving God, delighting in God, and loving God. And can I just encourage you here this morning, maybe you're like, "Ah, maybe I'm struggling. Maybe you're thinking I'm struggling and and trying to follow Christ. God turns towards you. He's He's constantly pursuing you because He loves you. He doesn't turn away from you. I mean, the example of Peter, the example of David, the example of these men in Scripture show us that God is constantly chasing after us. And so I don't know where you are this morning. Uh, Maybe you you simply have never put your trust in Christ. And I would just encourage you, please come talk to me or come talk to one of the the, the elders here. Uh, We would love to share this morning with you how you can know with full assurance that you are a son or daughter of the King of Kings, how you can put your trust in Jesus Christ. But if you've done that and you're like, man, I'm sinking, I need help, come talk to us. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to walk you through some scriptures just to encourage you and build you up. But maybe if you're like, I'm sailing this morning on fire for Christ, look around you. There are people maybe in your pews or in front of you that you could encourage, that you could pour into. We have a next generation, right, that need godly men and godly women to be pouring into. And and myself and ten youth leaders cannot do that alone. And so look for other people. Are you mentoring someone? Are you discipling someone? I met with a, a, a gentleman yesterday real early for breakfast, and, and we were talking about the fact that each of us should be a Paul to someone. Like we should be pouring into someone, mentoring, discipling someone, and then we should all be a Timothy to someone who's pouring into us. And, and we need people like Barnabas on the side encouraging and pouring in and, and just building us up. And so look at what opportunities you might have here in the, the local body to be a part of that. So I would just encourage you, keep keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. Keep running after Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You alone are the author and perfecter of our faith. You alone know where each one of us is at this morning. You know whether we're sinking, drifting, rowing, or sailing. And Father, I thank you you that you know us better than we know ourselves. So Lord, wherever we might be, would you just help us to have a desire to grow in you? Would you help us maybe if we're in that sinking, drifting moment to just be humble enough to say help to someone here this morning? And if we're passionate and on fire, Lord, help us to look for opportunities to serve, to pour into others. Father, I just I thank you that I thank you that Paul is such a great example of the fact that there's nothing we can do that your grace can't cover. And yet Peter is also a great example of many of us just have highs and lows. <laughs> we go through seasons of good and bad. But Father, you constantly pursue us. So thank you so much for loving us. And the greatest demonstration of that was the cross. We don't deserve the grace and the gift of salvation, but Father, You freely give it. So we just want to praise You for that this morning. Thank You. Thank You for loving us. Help us in turn to love You with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to delight in You, to run to You, to pursue You. Father, as John writes in 1 John 4, You loved us first. We praise you for that. Help us to love you in return. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.